Welcome to Collective Wisdom, episode number nine. This episode, we are joined by none other than Eve Blake, a uh, Australia-born but UK-based musical comedian. Uh, Eve stopped by just as she was packing to head off to Edinburgh Fringe Festival for August 2015. Um, so if you're listening and it's still August 2015, she is there and she is performing every day uh, at the Pleasant Dome at 520 so head along, her show's an hour long and you are guaranteed to enjoy it. We chatted to Eve about how she put together the show that she's going to be performing at Fringe. Uh, it's called Lie Collector. It was based on the stories of 2,000 different people who have submitted um, anonymous confessions and tales, uh, some of woe, some of joy. Eve kind of sifts through those and chooses, chooses a handful to develop into songs, which she performs as part of her show. We also hear about Eve's experiences uh, signing with her first comedy agent and what it's been like to head out on the UK comedy circuit for the first time. Perhaps most importantly, we discover a new food group, the Granola Tile, and um, we also collectively send a message to the future. In other words, it's a great episode, so without further ado, Eve Blake, everybody. Uh, I found you by going into the, the Twitter rabbit hole. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Friends. <laughs> that Twitter website. It's pretty good. Yeah. 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 Bing. Um, yeah, My yeah, face. Friends United. Yeah. <laughs> My um, we used to go to school together. You never know, right? Um, yeah. I think it was one of those things where I, I've been kind of looking looking to book kind of a few guest slots up to the end of the year. Look, you were looking for interesting people yeah. and you found And you know what? I was looking <laughs> for a girl. I was looking for a girl on the internet. Uh, and I, I, do you, all, I do this all the time. I haven't found you yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, here I am. Yeah. In your living room, drinking your water, yeah. eating Nate's granola bricks. Yeah. Yeah. Success. Granola bricks. Yeah. 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 Mm. The internet is a great Full place. Of fruit. Yeah, so basically through no, no intention... Um, We've we've just had a run of guests that've been all guys, and it's not for want of asking either. But um, it, we just had more guys say yes, so they've kind of come so in. So basically, but. you're sexist. What's next? Yeah, <laughs> and to avoid some kind of like Twitter kind of pitchfork scenario, um, I've been hunting down a girl guest. If you need ladies, I know them. I got you hooked up. <laughs> oh, nice. I don't know. I know idea. females. <laughs> I know I've met real. some. <laughs> One Nate, time. I can uh, I can hook you up. I don't have a podcast. <laughs> That's how you get the ladies. Yeah, That's why I'm starting mine. <laughs> how else could you get a lady from the internet into your living room? Yeah. 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 There That's are it. ways, but yeah, there's not even a, there's no memory card in here. Yeah. Nope, nothing. <laughs> That's not water. Yeah. That would be a great way to make friends because with a podcast, I so I interview people with. Is it recording, by the way? Yeah. 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 Oh, hi, ears of strangers. Um. I interview people for what I do, and I love the way that that gives me license to ask strangers personal questions, which you can't, I think is a lot more challenging to do without judgment if you're not saying, oh, this is for a podcast, or in my case, this is for my musical comedy show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's a great excuse to be nosy, basically. Yeah. And and because there's no real format to this one either, it can just, it can meander and go wherever it wants, and uh, you never know what you're going to find out. Um, and I feel like I felt like that was a threat <laughs> <laughs> it depends what you've done I guess. Yeah. but based on the fact that uh, I think one of the things you said to me when we were emailing was that you have a, a hobby of trying to see what you can kind of get out of strangers when you meet them and chat to them and stuff like that in terms yeah. of kind of like levels of honesty and, and stuff like that so I mean, I'm expecting big things well, are you expecting me to tell you all about it? yeah we'll, we'll, we'll go to We've probably got some stuff that we can reveal. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. We'll do it every now and again. That feels like a fair exchange because there are two of you and one of me. So that means for every one, one truth of yours, I, you get two I give, I get two truths. Yeah? I don't know if I like this trade. Is You've definitely done some stuff that <laughs> 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 I, get, I get double truth <laughs> and a granola This is a dangerous game. It's like that scene in American Pie. The guys in the kissing. Yeah, that one. Um, cool. So... I guess uh, a good place to start, um, and the reason that you're here today, and it was a bit of a rush job um, in getting you kind of in, is that you are off to Edinburgh. True fact. So when when are you off next week? Yes, on Monday. So the day today that we are recording is Saturday. 
So in two days. Yeah. <laughs> Just moving stuff around. It's okay. Keep going. Yeah, making noise and not even focusing. <laughs> Good to have you on board. Uh, cool. So, um, what's the preparation like for that? Because I mean, is this your first time going, or have you done it before? Okay. So technically, for anyone who's <clears throat> who's listening and doesn't know, in Edinburgh for the month of August, there's the world's biggest arts festival, the Edinburgh yep. Fringe. Um, it's been going since 1947, uh, and by this point, there are so many shows. I keep on saying there's 5,000 shows. I think it's probably more like three or 4,000, but that's a lot of shows. That is. And my first Fringe that I ever visited was 2011. I broke into a hostel. 2012, I brought a show, okay. and I know the statistic in 2012 was that the population of the city is 300,000 people, and for the month of August, it's a million. Wow. So with that kind of like insurgence of people, yeah. prices go crazy, but it's also the best place in the world to be for a month. As a performer, it's like a place where it's like, I mean, you can literally just meet 20 people on the street, and then they're watching you do your show that afternoon. Or you meet, you know, you have great conversations with 20 people yeah. and none come. So it can be <laughs> the highest yeah. of highs, lowest of lows. Okay. Um, yeah. So I suppose that the preparation for these things begins. So the deadline for like confirming a venue and stuff is April. Right. So you begin talking to people in like February. And then after that, you kind of, that's in April, you, you, you give a picture and you tell them what show you're bringing. Okay. And then you usually you spend after April being like, how do I live up to that? And you figure your right. show out. Uh, and you you spend inordinate amounts on upfront charges for venues and for publicity and basically to pay people to print pictures of your face and put it on as many surface areas as possible okay. in Edinburgh. And then you go up <laughs> and yeah. um, and you've got a lot of tickets to sell. So and you sell the tickets yourself when you get there. Uh, can you sell them in advance as well? Oh yeah, you people can book online in in advance. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's interesting that you that you ask that question because yeah, the cool thing about Edinburgh is, I mean, you get there and sure, if people know who you are, you've been on telly, mm -hmm. they might just figure it out and buy a ticket. Yeah. But mostly, the way that you get crowds in Edinburgh is being on the street with flyers in your hand, okay. walking up to strangers and saying, "This is what you're doing with your afternoon." And so it's really <laughs> like, yeah, you you have to properly graft up there. Cool. And um, at that first stage where you're submitting photos and, and synopses and things like that, mm -hmm. can you, like, is there a level of kind of like acts that are rejected? Like, is it, as long as you seem kind of together, can you usually get somewhere or is it quite competitive? Well, the cool thing about Edinburgh is if you find a venue, you can go. You just register and you go. Okay. But there's sort of like four or so big venues. Um, uh, and then they, they're selective, they curate and they sort of go, oh, you know, what's your first, second, third preference of time slot? So right, in okay. some ways, I guess it is competitive, but I feel like uh, the the way that you get picked is, in comedy at least, it's less less based on your show premise and more about who you are and where you're at in your career. Okay. And, and I guess what your flavor is yeah. and what they think of it. So, yeah. Cool. And um, what, so have you put together uh, like, a new a new kind of act or show for Edinburgh specifically or are you taking something you've been working on previously up there or well no? I was in a cool position because this year uh, in February and March mm -hmm. I opened the show that I'm taking to Edinburgh called Lie Collector so I was in cool. this lucky position of like okay. having this hour long show yeah. and I was able to invite people and be like this is what it will be um, okay. which is cool because for a lot of comedians like I say they'll call their show like the peanut butter show uh, in April and then they'll be like great so I've got a year to, to figure out what my hour is and yeah. say peanut butter in at once yeah. Um, yeah. I also I feel like I should apologise in case anyone's ever called their show the peanut butter show like I wasn't referencing your show I'm sure someone has there's, ha yeah. there's that many shows in Edinburgh um but yeah, so so I was in that position. Mm -hmm. But then the funny irony was, or uh, is that since February I've completely rewritten the show, and there's um, it's got ten songs in it, musical comedy songs, cool. and there are okay. two verses that are the same. Wow! When you're doing the okay. rewrite or something like that, I mean, do you just do it for the show specifically in Edinburgh, or is it just more of the fact that you want to change this show in in general? Like, did you change it specifically for this festival? In August, I think it was it was more in general. I yeah. knew that I had this deadline of like it better be brilliant by then because that's when a lot of people mm. will come with opinions. Mm. But I think it was it's been an interesting year of kind of figuring out how I want to use comedy as a function yeah. in a room of people. 
mm-hmm. like as what can it do in that room that's like interesting, useful, not so useful, yeah. pretentious. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, so this was this shows because you've got another one called then right. Yes. And my understanding is that they're both kind of fed by this project that you've run where you collect people's stories. Yeah, I can talk a bit about that. So Yeah. So are they are they both like a different take on on that as a root kind of Yeah. Kind of feeding kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this so this show I've been talking about it as a comedy show and it is. It's called Lie Collector. Yeah. And the premise is that um so what I have an interactive website called whowerewe.com where anyone can send me a story about themselves. And generally yeah. these are stories are kind of stories you maybe haven't told anyone before. Okay. They're confessions, right? Okay. So for this show I said, okay, tell me a story about a lie you've told. And cool. then the, I mean, some of the stuff I got was really gnarly and full <laughs> on. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like it was but, really full Yeah, the full anonymity of the internet. Right. Incredible, yeah. Yeah, so heads up, um, <laughs> or trigger warning as they say, um, yeah, it was really gnarly, but I turned that into a comedy show. Yeah. And last year, so 2014, mm-hmm. um, the first show that I made using this process was called Then. And the question I had on the website then was, who do you feel you used to be? Okay. Which is kind of vague, but yeah. I sort of mm. specifically was saying to people, I, I then explained underneath that, like, think about yourself at a younger age, mm-hmm. any age, and what were you like then? So I sort okay. of, I helped people... Um, through prompts on the website be like oh I guess when I was 14 I had that really bad haircut or that really bad like makeup experiment okay. at the time you yeah. know or like that awkward crush and so it kind of was a show about like the thing the ideas you have held about the world that you don't hold anymore mm-hmm. or how how we write our own history and how we can do it with like a kind pen or a really like judgmental pen, yeah. like I was an idiot, <laughs> you know. So that yeah. that was sort of what that show was about, and it was much more like a theatre show. Whereas right. now, that was sort of like a silly theatre show, and this time the silliness has gone so far that it's definitely a comedy show. But there's still a lot of costumes. They were both musical comedy, right? So how, yeah. So how how do you? Because at the moment I haven't seen you live, so I'm just basing this on videos I've seen. Um, that's cool you can send me a ticket Um, (laughs) and yeah I get what you mean it is is that kind of like silly kind of like theatre everything's a little bit kind of like overacted and everything so how have you how have you kind of approached those kind of performances for the new one how have those kind of changed well I think okay so like in then the first Mm -hmm. pilot if you will of this idea yeah I was sort of just interested in how do you turn a story into a song. Yeah. And then the kind of the key event that changed my approach to, to everything was I got signed by a comedy agent. Okay. And so suddenly I was like, oh, there's this world of opportunity. And she, mm. she is an amazing person. And she uh, was really enthusiastic about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I knew that the markets she could kind of sell it in yeah. had like different expectations. So this year has been me figuring out how do I like be my own flavor right. in this new arena. That metaphor doesn't work because... I'll come up with a much better metaphor for that. Um, but but yeah, so so I guess the way that the performance has changed is it's like in the first show, it would all be all about how do I take every line of what someone said and make that a song? And now with the added thing of like, how do I make that as funny as possible? Yeah. I, I suppose the product is, I guess I've learned the more shocking a thing that you say mm-hmm. and the more contradictory that the music, the funnier it is. Right. And the laughs I'm now going for are kind of like, you know when you'll tell like a really embarrassing story to someone? Let's say it's like one where, I don't know, you've been caught in the act by your parents or something. And you you tell the details of the story and the person who's watching, they do that laugh where they put their hands on their mouth and, right. and they have mm-hmm. those eyes that just go, no, yeah. you didn't. And then, ah, oh, and I suppose, whereas before I was getting reactions like, oh, isn't that sweet? Mm. My idea now is to kind of, to shock people okay. with these yeah. like this bold honesty. Cool. And and again it's based on people's experiences. Yeah. So submitted. Yeah. How how much do you end up having to kind of mould them or are you quite true to them um, by the time you're kind of finished? Uh, I try I never change the words in the stories, but I sometimes like some also in paragraphs and paragraphs. Yeah, and every third sentence is a bit repetitive or doesn't okay. you know doesn't add detail to the story it's sort of just like incidental like when your parents yeah. tell a thing and they go 
Oh, one time um, I went to this concert. I think it was 1979, and I think in that year as well. And you're like, no, 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 let's get back to the concert. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so I sort of shave them down sometimes, but I right. try to I try to honor the content because even though people contribute anonymously, they leave their yep. their email addresses, and I never on stage am like, guess what? This is from <laughs> someone who says they lived on this street. Yeah. Um, even though that's true, yeah. I think you can't, you know, can't make stuff up. And you've had over two thousand submissions ah. so far. How do you, how do you kind of work your way through them, and, and what are you kind of looking for? Is it just Ooh. do you just get like a little light bulb every now and again, or something pops into your mind? Or I'm just interested to know what what hits the cutting room floor and what ends up being kind of developed. And have there been any that are just too inappropriate, <laughs> or just weird, or yeah, it's kind of interesting how you choose from two thousand to make your kind of set. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool question actually because it's developed over time for sure. Mm. So like, the way that I ha store them all is I have yeah. this like Excel document that gets automatically updated through Dropbox or something nice. um, through technology. the website. So yeah, technology is on my cool. side. Yeah. So I read uh, every single story, and then I suppose the thing is like if someone, I sometimes I get stories, and I don't even really know why someone's written it. Um, and that's not to, to take the value away from it, but it'll just be like, this is an event that happened. Mm -hmm. Whereas if someone goes, this is an event that happened, and like, this is how I felt, or this is how it changed me, or this is why it was so embarrassing. I suppose it's about the emotion that's okay. there. Yeah. You know, the stakes, if you will. If, um, if someone sends me a, like I said before, I ask people to send me stories, but the better definition of them is confessions. Mm -hmm. So yeah. when something feels like a confession, and they're like, oh, I'm taking a leap, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. That's when the audience gets the most out of it. Because cool. it's like, it's this relief of like, of the, these things that people haven't said to me in the face. They've sort of secretly and anonymously like, given them to me and, and yeah. sort of, yeah, there's like a little, there's like a little hint of shame, <laughs> do you know? That's it's when it works. That's, That's when I'm looking for yeah. that flavor. And, uh, notes of, is it berries? No, it's, uh, ooh, ooh, it's uh, feeling uncomfortable with oneself. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Okay. And just going back to the Edinburgh prep. So obviously you, you submit, you you know kind of what you possibly have to live up to, then you start, as you say, kind of rewriting it all. Um, how does that then kind of break into kind of rehearsals? How do you personally kind of rehearse for what you're <laughs> going to be doing from next week? Well, so I am a musical comedian that doesn't play an instrument. I make my music on computers and I'm very lucky I've got a few friends who who help me see that through okay so the way that the composition process works generally is like I'll kind of I'll hum the tunes and I'll, I'll make these demo tracks mm -hmm. with lots of my voice pretending to be a guitar and then I have like this, uh, this amazing collaborator called Scott Quinn I just have to plug him he's like a music producer but he's also um basically a pop star in his own right he'll hate that I said pop star musician in his own right um but if you google Scott Quinn then his um music will make your ears melt uh, in a nice way. He's good. Um, what was I going to say? So, so because I make computer music, I yeah. kind of just have these backing tracks that I have to practice to. Okay. So I just sort of like the rehearsal process for me, honestly, is a lot of me being in my room yeah. or sitting on the tube learning the lyrics. And then, unique to this show, after I did the run earlier in the year, um, a mate of mine, a really talented director named mm -hmm. Katie Lambert, kind of came forward and she was like, I've got some ideas. And I was like, please help. Excellent. Uh, so she is now my outside eye and we spent a lot of time at her place uh, just drinking lots of coffee and figuring everything out. Cool. And how much how much of it ends up kind of being in the performance too? Because I know that you, mm. in fact, you were um, from a costume background as well. Um, well, you did that for a while, didn't you? So I'm guessing how... You, how you kind of dress each song or scene, it's it's kind of, is it kind of a rolling wardrobe change <laughs> and a kind of a different scenario each time or? Yeah, well, okay, so I, for my shows, I collaborate with this amazing designer mm -hmm. called Naomi Calc Cohen. She is a, she, um, I remember having a conversation with her a couple of years ago before yeah. I had really used music on stage. I done made theater, but never music. Okay. And I sort of was like, I wanna, I want to make a theater show where I'm dressed like Bjork. And she was like, I love Bjork. <laughs> and so we decided to work together. Cool. Um, and her designs are sort of crazy and super visual. And I try to make it so that for every story, um, when possible, mm. I can I can give some kind of visual expression. I can bring the, the stories to life in that way. Um, in terms of like having a, a costume background, I was always really interested in making costumes. But admittedly, my technical skills are just 
bullsh. Like I, okay. I could never really sew, but I could definitely glue gun fabric together. Nice. But I was, uh, I was, you know, I think when I was a teenager, maybe like nineteen, I was big into the idea that maybe I could make hats. Maybe I shouldn't make theater. I should just make ridiculous hats or yeah. shoes. Okay. Or just, yeah, I don't know. So you had the ideas, but you you're happier now with a kind of an entourage of crazy people that can kind of people who you. actually know what they're doing yeah <laughs> that, that does help yeah, yeah. i guess I, it's funny that you use the word entourage because I, I i do have this funny motley crew of people who help me make my yeah. ironically named one woman shows <laughs> yeah. but it's just boring if you do it all yourself yeah, it's got yeah, a bit yeah. mental whenever you're doing the rehearsing for the stories um do you find that on stage that you kind of almost wing some of the ad lib to it or are you just strictly straight from the story well I have my laptop on stage and I read sometimes I'll pr even project the story but I read word for word, word what for people word. say okay. I'm quite yeah I'm quite strict with that I see. Mm. is that more about just the fact that you don't want to kind of take somebody else's story and, and change it from what they gave you is that kind of why you use that approach or do you feel that it's just more interactive with the audience if it's more of directly word for word from I the anonymous author I think to be honest, sometimes with the stories, it's the words they've chosen that make it so interesting. Okay. It's the way that someone goes, oh, this really awful thing happened, lol. And like, and like just taking a pause and then saying the lol and everyone in the room being like, why do we do mm. that? Yeah. That's much more interesting than being like, look, it kind of vaguely was like this. Do you think that, that a lot of that is from, I guess, the transition between how we write and how we would speak, I guess, is... is a lot of the humor obviously there's the embarrassment part of the stories but I mean frankly it's the the idea of the way people type the way people write especially type I mean nobody writes anymore but the way people type is so different when you say it out loud like do you draw a lot of humor from that 100% I yeah. think that's so interesting I learned a cool new word the other day my friend was talking about asynchronous communication ooh. um ooh, yeah he's yeah. smart <laughs> um but he described that as like you know, if you're chatting to someone on Tinder or through text because you're not in the same time and place and you're not, like, looking at each other. So it's yeah. asynchronous. It's, like, out of... And I think the way that we express ourselves in that way is so interesting because we choose every single word and we don't want to sound like dicks. And so we... You'd be so clever. Right. And I don't know how long people spend before they send their stories. Like, some of them, you can tell, it's just very stream of consciousness, loads of spelling mistakes. Love it. Yeah. Other ones, it's like poetic. It's like, how long did you spend and write this? Do you get to see the submission time? Is there like the 4 a.m. story that you're like, this I should. I get this. Yeah, I totally get the submission time. But the thing is, if they're from other time zones, I do get them to say which city they're in. I haven't looked at that. I'm totally going to go home. I'm going to yeah, go home yeah. and look at that. Because if you've got like somebody at 5, like they've thought about it. If you've got somebody at 4 a.m., they have not thought about what they're typing. Yeah, yeah. and there's always oh. a Twitter message that's like, uh. <laughs> Speaking of the 5am yeah. story, you asked a question before about whether I've got stuff that's inappropriate. <laughs> well, that, that, that seems like the time of night we get it. Yeah, and it's definitely true. Like <laughs> You're inappropriate at 5 in the afternoon, you're just creepy. <laughs> well put, Nate, well put. Yeah, but I definitely, definitely have got some stuff that's a bit like, whoa, why you gonna, are you going to have that? to. Um, you're going to have to... Let's know one, at least one. Uh, well, I don't um, want to trade the truth game though. We already made it. No, well, but no, this isn't. This no, isn't just so you have a fight. Uh, yeah, part of the deal. <laughs> You're getting overexcited. Um, no, well, I, I mean, actually, in in this show, I've been making Lie Collector. There's yeah. a point in the show where, um, without giving much away, like there is a point in the show where I kind of go, guys, like there's a lot of stuff people send me in terms of lying. That's pretty heartbreaking. Yep. I can't turn that into a song, so we'll just skip over that. Or will we? And then I sort of try like, to, to say some of this stuff. But I preface it by saying, I mean, a lot of the really heartbreaking stuff that I get, yep. often people, the only thing they have to leave is like their current city and their email address. Mm. And, you know, with their email address, Honestly, people have sent me stuff, and then the email is like, you can't have my email at notawebsite.com. I'm like, damn it! That's not fair! Um, so, yeah. I and, and also, something I kind of had to deal with early in the process last year, sometimes, particularly asking people about their younger selves, people would tell you stories that were quite harrowing, and you feel this weird sense of guilt, because you're on the one side of the computer, like, did, mm. I, did I make you say that? Is that bad? Like, have you told anyone else this? But also... You don't, it's, it's hard to know what, I guess, how to contact them back 
in the most productive way like yeah. so yeah it's interesting I guess from the point of the fact that both of your shows uh, especially the more recent one obviously focusing more on comedy they're deeply rooted in psychological like not issues but interaction that we almost have with ourselves like lying is a very interpersonal thing even though you're doing it to other people it's it's and also the idea of what were you like back then yeah. that's a, that's a conversation that people have with themselves all the time so do you think there's a reason why you've kind of focused on these two subjects that almost are psychological in and of ourselves, not related to how we interact with other people? Are you saying I should have been a therapist? No, 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 no. It's just <laughs> interesting. I'm just saying from a com- like, yeah. from a comedic point of view, it's interesting to focus on two things that are a bit deeper than that. Yeah. Ah. Well. Um. Firstly, thanks for picking up on that. It's, it's always nice when people talk about your work and like these are some things I have noticed. Well, they deliberate. <laughs> You're like, oh wow. Um. I guess I'm sort of interested a big through line in all of my work has been about like we all have moments where we feel like a dickhead we all have moments where we (laughs) kind of get down on ourselves and and are hypercritical of ourselves like that's our fact of humans we also all have things that we do that we know are the wrong thing and wrong is like an annoying word it's a word like strange I don't really know what it like it can mean so many different things but we we do something against what we deem to be you know the good thing to do yeah. And then we feel guilty and like all of these feelings are really like they're versions of loneliness because the definition of loneliness, right, is like when you have a feeling and you feel like no one like feels that feeling. Yeah. So yeah. I guess with all my work, I'm trying to air all of that stuff and like sprinkle it with showmanship and make it shiny and funny. So then you can be like, oh, everyone feels like a prick. Mm. I can give myself a bit more of an easier time. And when you're lonely you're scared and when you're scared you get selfish and then you get more lonely i'm talking like a scientist as though as though i've solved the equation for the humans i figured it out and i'm gonna fix it with my comedy now you're welcome when i was signed by a comedy agent i then went out on a comedy circuit i'd never even seen live comedy before this was crazy and suddenly i was like Backstage, with all these comedians, they're like, "How long have you gigged for?" And I was like, "What's the right answer?" Um, yeah, seven. <laughs> it's always seven. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's always the magic number. Um, but uh, all these people that I would meet just had it. Fe- it really felt like I w- I had won. Um, no, oh, it felt like I was like, good at swimming, and then suddenly I was at the Olympics, and I was like, "What? I can't do this." Yeah. Because the skill that, that stand-up comedians have to have in terms of like, mining their own life, coming up with like the beats and stuff. I guess that's what you're you're currently in that sort of transition period now. So this this show that you're doing is the first one that is moving into that new realm. I guess so. Well, it's it's moving into the realm of yeah of being more funny. Yeah. But I think it's like if people were coming to my show and they were going to expect a stand-up show mm. I think they'd be like what's this because well, firstly there's costumes like that is you never get that in stand-up yeah. um, but also but if they were coming and they in their mind maybe thought of like musical comedians uh, or you know any any comedian who stands up does funny songs and like the fact mm. that they're telling you a story with the music is really important because the music and the story both contribute to like how much you laugh yeah. and their interaction I'm losing my words here, but you know, like, it, you know, sometimes things don't rhyme and that's hilarious. Like, though, that's my bag of tricks. Okay. That's when I know what I'm doing. Whereas with comedy, <laughs> like, they talk about it and they say that you, you kill if you do a good set or if you do a bad set, you die. Like, the stakes are so high. Yeah, yeah. And you walk on stage yeah. and people clap when you walk on. And to me, that's them saying, okay, so this is our down payment. You, yeah. ha- you have We've to. We've already done this that's, part. That's right. potentially one applause. There you go. So yeah, yeah you, this is the level you have to maintain that. And if you suck, then like we're not gonna laugh. Yeah. Uh, and that was really that was challenging to get used to. I'm I'm in the end really pleased for it. Like when people go through horrendous yeah. breakups and they're like, but I've learned so much about myself. Stronger coming out the Right, right, right. <laughs> um, and and I can't say that like I I can't say that I was dying and I was having like an awful time. Yeah. But certainly especially if you're in a lineup and you've just had like nine people be funny mm. with talking and then you come yeah. on and you do a song and people are either like wow or they're like no thank you, <laughs> do, you do you want to keep doing that i guess in the sense switching between comedian gig tours with a bunch of other people and your own thing like is that something you want to keep doing or do you want to just do more of piloting as you said um i think i mean i think 
gigging is, is can be useful in terms of people getting introduced yeah. to your work. Mm-hmm. So it's useful, but in terms of what I get from it, I get a lot more from not even necessarily performing shows, but like cre- the creation of a show, like sitting down and writing. And I guess my in the future, I think I will start gigging less because I hope that I'll start writing more. And I also write musicals. And what I've learned in this year as well is I really like like the problem yeah. solving of a song. Mm. If you've got a story, like how can you use musical structure to tell that story in a way that's interesting? Okay. And how can you go, okay, well, pop songs are like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus, chorus. And that's our expectation. So how can you mess with that? And then people be yeah. like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know? So you would you see yourself doing less performance as time goes on? Mm. In like a, in a grander scale of time? Yeah, I think so. Like if, we, if we're talking about the next, like, five ten years um yeah i think so i love performing but it's like and i i've met a lot of i've spent a lot of time with performers this year and people have different reasons why they do it and for me it's because of i really like being in the audience and when you see something and it like it kind of gives you a missing piece Uh, as opposed to a lot of people i know who are performers and they love it because them on stage like there's there are there's something a bit more about how on stage it helps them or that's not to say that people are performers for selfish reasons or actually although many people are i think that is what i'm trying to say i'm being a bit too polite i guess most people do most things for at least some self-gain right yeah yeah but luckily it works most of the time and i can't claim to be like the mother Teresa of comedy i mean i get on stage <laughs> although that would be a great, great review for a dvd <laughs> let's put it? that on my poster <laughs> yeah why not right oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, i have fantasies about one year doing the fringe because the other thing i should say about the fringe is you can imagine with so many shows posters everywhere everyone's trying to outdo each other and so the really the big metric of like how good someone is is stars like how many times have you got five stars and what are the big superlative adjectives people have used about you and so i kind of would love to do a fringe show one year and just all of the quotes are just ridiculous (laughs) like people have done parody ones of like pretty good my mom but i want (laughs) it to be like um this changed my life and made me re-examine all my career choices, Kanye West. Like, <laughs> like, how can you take yeah. it to the next level? Ugh. How can you have, um, how can you have like five stars and then like five sweet potato emojis and then like, <laughs> like five pictures of Beyonce? Anyway, I just think mess with the system. Interesting, you bring up like the idea of you know people looking at shows as far as how many stars did you get? Do you, do you find yourself reading? Um, what critics or people say about you in a negative or a positive way? Like, do you find that really interesting? Or are you one of those do you Google yourself who basically, <laughs> stay, who basically who stays away from all that? <laughs> That's, it's so interesting that you asked that because, um, so I am lucky now I've got like a producer for the fringe and he's a total G. He knows exactly mm. what he's doing. Cool. But before that, and like in 2012, when I brought a shop, I was only 19. I was very much doing it myself. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm very used to having to sell my stuff too. Yeah. And so if you get a good review and you get a good sentence, you're like, great, I'm going to dine out on that for a while. Yeah. You know, that sounds, that's going to go on posters. <laughs> so in that, res- in that respect, I totally read all the reviews because I st- I'm still thinking, how do I hustle? Mm. Yeah. In terms of criticism though, it's very interesting because the show that I opened in February, like the version of Light Collector then, mm. um, like, like I've said, it was my first attempt at like, I'm going to make people laugh for an hour. Yeah. And because I hadn't really spent enough time on the circuit and I hadn't thought very much about comedy yet, or had too much experience in it, I made a bunch of n- assumptions that, like, the audience really responded to it, but critics rightfully called me out and were like, this hour is funny, but she's asked really big questions and there's, okay. like, there's a bit of style over substance. Right. And, and, and I, I agreed with them. So I think, actually, those reviews really helped me to be like, Aha! Okay. My suspicions are correct because if you do a one-woman show or one-man show, um, you know, even if you do a shite job, your friends are just going to feel bad for you and say, "Well done." Yeah. Like getting one of the hardest things for me is getting my people I respect to give me honest feedback. Okay. Especially if you're like come off stage and you're sweaty and you're <laughs> panting, you're like, "Okay, so let's talk about how it could be better." I'm like, "No, you just we're going to buy you a coke and you just sit down." <laughs> so, yeah. Do you find that the, the the critics, so to speak, and the crowd react in in opposing ways, or in the sense that if you've 
changed your show to kind of be more substance over style, as you say, that the crowd enjoys it just as much, or how do you kind of bridge the balance between, I guess, satisfying other people who see it as performance and people who just want to be entertained? I think the answer to that that I've found over this year is you have to kind of go, okay, you can consider what an audience thinks and you can consider what a reviewer thinks, but you kind of just have to know what your own standards are. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and my standards, as I've said, are based on me as an audience member. Okay. So I've got a whole bunch of people who see my shows and, and like, I entertain them, they laugh, they make me happy because they, like, are really generous and we have this great interaction. But then yeah. I meet them afterwards and I'm like, wow, I don't know when I'd ever come across you. Mm. And I think... And, and that's fine, that's awesome. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. But also, I guess I, I can't make work for every single person. Yeah. And you're always gonna have people in your crowds who, across the season, who just, I just have do- totally different expectations. Yeah. Or like who yeah. think women can't be funny, or that like, or who think that Australians are more funny than anyone else because we sound funny. <laughs> Which I will totally, I mean, I'll exploit that. Um, <laughs> hey, why not? You wouldn't be the first. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd love to know who, I mean, even just going back to, to some of the videos you've got on YouTube and stuff like that around the songs, like, um, I'd love to know who kind of influences that stuff. Well, I th- so I have these three music videos online of three musical comedy songs I've made. Mm-hmm. And because I come from theatre land, have, I have so many friends who are just amazing set makers, amazing prop makers. And so yeah. we kind of all banded together. the behind together. the scenes video as well. That was, that was really interesting. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah so. If anyone's listening. So... My name's Eve Blake, spelt with like a Y, stupidly. So <laughs> go type that into YouTube and then you can see these. Um, yeah, and they're quite, like, for what they are, they're quite high production value and there's they like are, dancers yeah. and confettis and yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess in terms of what influences me with those, um, I think, well, so for every single song that I write, I try to sort of pastiche a different genre, right? Okay. If I've got a song and it's going to be like, Okay, great example. I had a song on my first show which was all about kids' ridiculous aspirations of their adult lives. Like, yeah. I'm going to be a stripper because I saw it on Neighbours, or I'll be a priest <laughs> and then I'll just only have eight wafers. Um, and I thought that song needs to be in a hip-hop style because it needs to have, like, the bravado yeah. and swagger and confidence <laughs> of just, like, yeah, whatever. Um, That's interesting, yeah. Right, so I try yeah. and... So, so visually, I just try and be consistent with the genre that mm-hmm. I'm sending up. Uh, but then I suppose like as well, I really quite like referencing really poppy visuals and poppy sounds because I think so many pop songs sound the same. Everyone says that. So how can you, how can you use that? And then, and then it's kind of funnier because the lyrics aren't what you've come to expect. And so I think what I'm trying to arrive at is when I was making the music videos, I was watching a lot of Beyonce and I was basically saying, how do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> Second time pop songs have been referenced. I think pop was, pop was yeah, a big yeah. influence. But um, yeah, 100% watch, watch the videos because uh, they are... Don't expect Beyonce great. level uh, dance moves. No. No one can do this. But Dream yeah, Value is, is actually really, really cool. And the behind the scenes stuff is really interesting as well. You get a little glimpse of some of the entourage. Uh, that kind of help you bring stuff together, which is quite nice. What can I say? I'm fancy. (laughs) Um, Shout out as well to Katie Lambert. So she is directing this show with me. Cool. And she was the mastermind behind the music videos with me. Uh, She was the person and I went to her and I was like, I think we should have confetti. And she's like, we need twice as much confetti (laughs) and we need to do it like on a stage. And yeah, she is amazing and everyone should stalk her. Excellent. And um, just kind of going back a bit, I guess. So it'd be interesting to to understand how you kind of got started um, and how you got kind of... Is know. this the truth part where you ask me embarrassing questions? Yeah. Yeah, this is where you... This is you, where we get to you before you were funny. You guys yeah. haven't <laughs> talked is... enough. I want to know about your dirty secrets. <laughs> I, I don't even really know who you are, Nate. I just don't know you've got great it. tattoos and you gave me a granola brick. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make it. I gave it to you from a Tesco bag. Oh, you yeah. could have, you I could have gone with it. No, everybody yeah. knows that's, that's a Tesco granola bar. <laughs> everybody knows. <laughs> Wait, just for, for anyone who's listening, when I talk about granola bricks, then it's not a granola bar. This didn't come out of a plastic packet. It is like a, a, a cookie 
that has when oats say, in it. When you say break, it means that if you threw it at somebody, it could hurt them. That's also, true. It can't, be, it, it can't has, be a bar because it's not bar shaped. Yeah. It's square shaped and it has multiple dried fruits. I'm yeah. seeing pumpkin seeds. I'm basically seeing a great variety of different roughage. And I roughage. think, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a brilliant production. So don't talk yourself down no. and say, right. you know, I didn't make these. I didn't. You did buy them, but yep. you bought Tesco's finest. But always. Yeah. Always. I'm a classy guy. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. I'm a classic guy. That's why you bring the snacks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so going back in time, um, a little bit like you've got 2,000 people plus to do on the internet. Now it's kind of your turn. But rather than picking a specific embarrassing moment, um, how did you, you know, kind of growing up, were you were you kind of a natural performer? Or, you know, like, how, how, where do you think this came from? Like, you know, you're, you're not, you haven't kind of turned into an accountant or anything, so... My childhood scars. No, um... <laughs> Uh, um, I grew up in Sydney, in Australia. Um, I have a half-brother, a brother from another mm-hmm. mother who's a bit older. But other okay. than that, I'm effectively an only child. So that's probably why I'm a show-off. It's <laughs> probably... Uh, probably. <laughs> um, yeah, I really... Um, uh, just really good times in Sydney. Grew up as a teenager and was always um, quite precociously all about projects Mm -hmm. that I was doing, whether that was, um, like, trying to start uh, a business of selling jewellery out of melted plastic or (laughs) going to all the drama classes and writing plays and then deciding I was going to be a puppeteer in Vermont. I was sort of always quite... (laughs) I was one of those kids who's just like, I I haven't figured out. Mm. Oh, you don't? Sorry. (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) I was, yeah, just super pretentious, but um, super full of enthusiasm. Uh, And then... I think, yeah, my idea at the start was that I would be prob- probably wanted to be an, an actor when I was mm-hmm. little and then thought, no, I want to be a playwright. The writers have way more fun because I get to make up the stories. And then yeah. and then when I was a teenager, met a lot of playwrights through like okay. literary internships and then realized, oh, actually, to be a writer, you can get very grumpy and lonely because it's just you and your <laughs> right. laptop. Yeah. So then turned off that and that was the puppeteer phase. Okay. I was going to go make bread and, and do puppets in Vermont there's like a there's like a whole collective over there. It's a thing. Yeah. Um, the bread, the making bread is a thing. Bread too? and puppet theater bread company and, is a real thing. Oh. No, it's like a real thing in Vermont. <laughs> like these amazing hippies who hang out and make puppets that are like as big as buildings and make bread and just give That's it out. <laughs> like I was set, mate. I was <laughs> sign me up. Um, Why would you ever leave? <laughs> exactly. But then uh, in my gap year after high school, I um, decided that actually I didn't want to move to the States. I wanted to come to Europe. Yeah. Hello. Someone's just walked in the door to set the sting. Cool. That's my fiance. Congratulations. Oh, <laughs> How long have you been engaged for? Uh, about seven and a half months. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Congratulations, girl. Thanks. He's a <laughs> <a> keeper. <laughs> no, thanks, buddy. Cut a long, boring story short. Ended up in London. Went to uni for a year. Decided it wasn't for me because it was like... First year's the best anyway, right? Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it was like theatre making and I was like, surgeons yeah. need the piece of paper at the end. I don't. <laughs> um, uh, and just went out and made my own stuff. And always was interested in, in interactivity and like, I just basically don't buy into the idea that mm-hmm. the actors on stage are the only ones that get to wear the costumes or like do the talking. Um, yeah. And then wanted to mix it up with music and here we are. Nice. So you've actually, like, if you look at it, how you've just tossed it out, you've got little elements of everything, and it's culminated in, in where you've like got to now, which is quite nice. salad. Yeah. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, a, a granola tile. There you go. Do you, um, think, do you think that... It's a tile now, not a brick. I think so. It, it's, yeah. I keep on touching mine because I want to eat it, but then I don't want to be making mouth sounds, eating mouth sounds, so I just keep touching <laughs> it as my way of being, like... Connecting yep. with it? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Soon, later. Yeah, just fondling it. <laughs> Do you run into very many people, I guess, in the in the circle of uh, performers and artists that you find that are creating, well, what I would call new types of performing art in what you're doing? Because I mean, what you're doing is is I mean, other people may have done something similar, but for no other purpose, it's new, it's different than what other people are doing. Do you? Friends, people that are doing that a lot. I mean, it's one thing to be a stand-up comedian, but, you know, obviously really difficult to get really good at that. It's an entirely different thing to basically try and create something that's different than what other people are doing. 
Do you find that often, or do you find that most people try and pick a track that's already there? Oh, I mean, I think in London there are so many ridiculous wizards of performance. Mm. <laughs> Just ridiculous yeah. people doing amazing things. I, I, re- I often meet people I'm really inspired by, and it's cool as well, because, like, for example, with stand-up, as I've said, that's a skill I find it really hard to relate to, mm-hmm. even if it seems close to what I'm doing. And it's really cool, actually, because I often do meet people who are really inspired by performance and are chasing a possibility that, like, seems ridiculous to me or, or like, unimaginable. And So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm totally flattered by all your points about it, what I'm doing being of its own style. But I think mm-hmm. as well, there are so many interesting people out there. I'm trying to call to mind some really exciting examples. Like, um, one of them is there's a young female stand-up called Elf Lions, and she's really mm-hmm. interested about, like, what are people's expectations of like female comedians mm. and like and ca- and I think I might be butchering a quote of hers but she talked to me about how maybe she says this on stage someone gave her this this compliment of saying like I love how you disguise your beauty on stage and she was like what can women not be funny and beautiful on stage at the same time and then has made this amazing stand up show that like kind of questions that and and toys with that and it's yeah. and uh, like and completely pulls it off. I remember hearing the premise and like, how are you going to do that? Like, is she going to come out looking like a glamour model? And but no, it was it's just brilliant. And um, then also in London, like you get amazing theatre companies like the Agency of Coney. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if anyone's heard of them, but they just create these kind of like adventures where the audience are the performers. And um, yeah, I think this city sometimes feels like the center of the creative universe. <laughs> so I don't feel like a special little flower here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, do you, is it quite a supportive community? Like, or are people kind of doing their own things? Like, how's, I'd say, how's the interaction? So when I came from Australia, I think a lot of people back home were like, oh, oh. the big smoke, watch out, it'll eat you up. Yeah. But actually it was so <laughs> supportive. Everyone's cool. lovely. Yeah, Comedy. We're, we're a lot nicer than... That's true. Yeah. You have a stereotype for a reason. Yeah. So do you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Brits, there's, there's a lot of politeness here I had to get used to. Or like, I, the key difference I always say between the UK and Australia, and I, I wonder as well how this compares to the States, but like in Australia, if I bump into someone on public transport and I want to apologise to them, I'd be like, oh, sorry, mate. And the way <laughs> that I ingratiate myself with them is by being as informal as possible. Okay. Whereas in England, I'd be like, oh, sorry, <laughs> sir. And it's, it's the opposite. It's about yeah. how formal can I be and how much status can I give you. Um, yeah. What do you do when you bump people? Depends on which part of the country you're in. If you're in New York, you don't say anything. You just keep walking. You just knock yeah. them down. Yeah. Like, if, you're in Sam, if you're in San Francisco, you, from New York? you probably... No, I'm from San Francisco. So if you're in San Francisco, you probably... Apologize, like you guys go out and get like brunch together. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> by the end of the day, like they've met all your friends. You've built like, some shelves. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your treehouse. Like, this guy, well, I bumped into him today. No, I literally bumped into him. <laughs> how we met. So it just depends on where you're at. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, but England is super supportive. Comedy is like a slightly different beast because. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm used to, well, like I keep saying, I was used to theatre world where, um, let's say you're at the Fringe and there's a bajillion shows, you're there with your motley crew of, like, five people, and you're like, yes, go team the snail play, go team the snail play, whatever it's called. Whereas with comedy, like, you are your product. And so I've never really felt this, but I can imagine, like, some comedians might rightfully, it might get, like, a bit, I don't know, competitive. I'm lucky in that I don't feel like, Oh, or at least I haven't met anyone who I feel like competes with me for my audience. Yeah. Okay, that's I, a good place to be, right? Well, I mean, I just yeah. think there's no one who I'm like, oh, everyone's going to go see her show. Instead. Yeah. Like, also, everyone, all the young female comedians I've met, I'm like, go see their shows because that's great. I've just, look, there's no one else making musical comedy with the internet I know of. Yeah, so you're Maybe, not cannibalizing your own like, crowd yeah. by being supportive, which is quite nice. Uh, well, and I guess the yeah. thing too is I... I, I wonder if there is, if I would feel probably quite privately, like, uh, competitive. But mm-hmm. because, because honestly, I yeah. don't even have to think about that. I don't. If there were, I'm, I might be, like, completely unelegant about it. I don't know. <laughs> but for now, <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And um, so obviously you've got next week, you'll kick off, is it six weeks uh, up in Edinburgh? Edinburgh is 
the well, I'll be up there for four weeks performing for three and a half. Cool. And then I go to Australia for six weeks for a tour there. Yeah. Amazing. And as how many times have you have you toured shows in Australia, or is this the first time you've? This is the taken first over? time I'm taking something back since 2012. That's so cool. when I brought my show yeah. to Edinburgh 2012, I had already done it in a bunch of cities in Australia. Okay. So it's like the homecoming tour. Cute. Yeah. Um, oh, that's nice. It will be really nice. Yeah. It'll be really cool. Your accent won't play. My accent won't. I won't be able to use it. <laughs> oh, Nate. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, if people are heading up to Fringe, where, yes. where can they find you? Let's do the part where she pimps her show. Yep. Um, uh, so if you're coming to the Edinburgh Fringe in 2015, you need to go to well, Dateline 2015 somebody might be listening to this next year yeah it better be oh my <laughs> goodness hello the future some things like we're gonna we go back to the pimping section <laughs> this is the part where we interrupt for a question about the future um hello the future question uh what iphone number are you up to is it more than eight um other questions do we have space babies other questions um do you have a robot girlfriend? Uh, final question. Have we run out of um, cocoa supplies in the world? Uh, or can you still buy chocolate from off licenses? The end. Um, These are very important questions. Yep. And if you can just... Okay, so um, if you can just... Uh, probably Twitter will still be a website. So can you tweet me at Eve Blake in the future if you're listening to this and you have like legitimately interesting quest- answers to those questions. Um, is there anything else? This is really exciting. What else should we ask the future? Like future predictions. No, because then, no, honestly, but you... Are you still driving your own car? Are you still driving yeah. your own car? Yeah. What's something that's legitimately about to happen? Yeah, the car thing. Or D- Designing yeah. jeans? Does your fridge order your food for you? Oh, did Google stuff? Glass take off or did that just die? I hope it dies. Let's find out, okay? So, um, twit me and tell me all about it, uh, and then we can be best friends, San Francisco style. Exactly. Chance encounter and be BFFLs. <laughs> and back to the present. And oh yeah, the pip. This is the part where she pimps her show again. Um, <laughs> I okay, Edinburgh Fringe, 2015. Come to a venue called Pleasance Dome. I will be in the venue called Pleasance Ten, and I'm on at 5:20 every day. Uh, of the fringe, really, except for the seventeenth, because that day PM, I'm just right. PM five twenty PM. So you never know. Oh, I'm not doing a five AM show. <laughs> <Just> do <that. laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, That's not the graveyard yeah. show. <laughs> but come and see the show, um, and if you're not going, tell your friends to if they are going. And uh, I think that's everything. Cool. And in Australia, um, oh, yeah. you know, we, we do scoop up a few listeners from round and about. Yeah, hey. yeah, it's all over the world now. So, hey. so where are you, you going to be? <laughs> to the chosen few that have been scooped. Um, I think you should come to see my show called Then, the previous show. That's the one I'm touring in Australia. So if you live in Sydney, I'm going to be at the Australian Theatre for Young People um, between the 9th and the 19th of September. And then I'm going on a regional tour. So if you live in Daniloquin or Malambimbi, um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh that might God. be offensive. I don't know if that's the desert. I think it's a desert. Maybe it's not the desert. Okay, <laughs> so I'm doing, I'm doing a really good job ingratiating myself with the peoples of these rural towns. Um, but I'm going to come say hi. So I don't really know the details for those, but Google it. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I've had so much fun, and I am now going to annihilate the rest of my granola <laughs> yeah, tile. It's, it's Why ready. is it a tile? It's, I like it's a tile. Better. I like no, I like better. tile. It's, it's, I like tile feels it's fancier. Flat. <laughs> it's flat. Yeah. It's like a handcrafted thanks, tile. Thanks, thanks Liam. Liam. Thanks, Nate. I've had super fun times. Awesome. And we hope you have an amazing time uh, up at Fringe. Oy, so do I. <laughs>